everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We are here to help you get your business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. Oh, yeah. And you know what makes the life of a small business owner super exciting? Good intro music. That and <laughs> meeting with new clients. Yeah. Like we did this morning. We did. And um, I love the initial intake session because you just learn so much about a person. Oh, yeah. Um, and then really figuring out why they want to get into coaching. Yes. And then developing a plan for how they're going to succeed. And we have an upcoming show on onboarding clients. And we we'll do. show you a couple secrets we of do. what we do and why we do it. So, so we yeah. did that this morning. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do with peeps. You know, obviously yeah. the ongoing coaching is fun, but that initial mm-hmm. 90 minutes we spend with somebody, I think is some of the most insightful time. Oh. And it's always a, there's always a couple of curveballs that oh, you're not expecting from we're people. We're here to scare the crap out of you with good <laughs> questions. So yeah, that is us. Anyways. So today's show is near and dear to our heart because we love doing all of these things, but we found someone who's much better at doing it. The one, the only, the very, 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 very special guest, Miss Wendy Harrington with Beacon Creative Lab. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you so much. It's really fun to be here. All right. So we built you up as best we can. So we'll leave the rest of the show to you here. (laughs) Oh, goodness. No pressure whatsoever. Branding, marketing, marketing, strategy, coaching, copywriting, all those things like that just involve words that are supposed to say something, aren't they? They are. They are actually supposed to say only what it is that the client wants. So I love that you are so excited about the intake because the intake is that that is truly where the magic happens, right? For coaching, for really for anything, it's getting at the heart of what the business is all about. So right on. <laughs> it is. And very similar, I'm sure, as to what we do. Um, a lot of times people come to you because they know they have a problem but they're just not quite sure what it is. It's like when I go to the doctor, I'm like, I just don't quite feel well. (laughs) And I can't tell you why I don't feel well. That's what I'm here for you to diagnose me. And I think, I feel like that's what we do with our clients is they have something, it's, it's twitching at them. And then we dig in there and figure out what it is and how we can help them to resolve it. And you do the same with branding and marketing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, there are certainly plenty of people who come in feeling like they know exactly what it is they need, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but very often they know, you know, kind of like that old saw about, you know, every to a carpenter, everything looks like a hammer. Like if you think you know what your solution is, you may be closed down to other ideas. And uh, so as much as possible, uh, having a conversation that just gets, starts to reveal things like peeling back an onion is uh, is really very helpful and having people who are open to the fact that that may be whatever they're looking for may be part of what they need but most of the time it's not all of what they need um, and you know you, you you can see that because you're not so into the weeds of the business um, and I you know I can say that because it's it happens when it's our business too right like we yes. all need to have somebody else who can take a take an outsider's look at it and, and help us understand what may be what else what are we missing and what yeah. else might we be able to add how did you how did you get started Oof. Um, well uh, family business actually uh, my dad was uh, at one point the 
Circulation Director for Reader's Digest um, way, way back. I and used to love there. Reader's Digest. Yeah, right? <laughs> and he left there to take an agency job. And after, I don't know, 10, 15 years or something like that, he decided to start his own agency. And um, that was when I was uh, in high school. And so summer breaks and college breaks, uh, you know, high school and college and everything uh, was working for him. And again, after that, for almost 10 years, like eight, eight or nine years, I think I worked for him. And that was all direct marketing. So that was back, you know, back in the day before there was one-to-one marketing. We did one-to-one marketing. Um, and it was just, it was just fascinating to me. I mean, I, I really was never a big fan of advertising, marketing, or business. Honestly, I didn't come at it that way. But it was these really, I just fell in love with the process of testing initially. Like the whole thing about you know, trying to figure out what was going to be effective and what were the, why did this color work better than that color? Or why did this set of words work better than that set of words? And, and I did love words, you know, to your point, mm-hmm. Mike, you know, writing and, and words and the power of them is really, uh, was another piece of that, I guess, another layer. On. Yeah. You're like a word, book. you're like a word scientist. Yes. <laughs> and all yeah. your friends know to call you or shoot you note. Hey, Wendy, I'm looking for, I want to say this, but that's not right. But I know you have the right word for it. Yep, absolutely. We had, um, you know, massive Scrabble games and, you know, oh, would love to, yeah. you know, be the ones that would run to the encyclopedia or now to Google or whatever uh, to try to figure out what the, the right way to say something is or whatever. It's, it's the, the blessing and curse of, uh, I think, on the Strengths Finder learner is one of those things up there. That's uh, one of my top five. Geez. Got it. <laughs> we uh, A real quick story. We tell this. This seems like every week. Uh, Trinity's a huge fan of assessment tests, as she should, because she's a big systems person, hired, trained, all, all that background. And after the second date with her now husband, Scott, she made him take the Strengths Finders test. Very smart. <laughs> you know, every wife says that. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's kind of funny that you brought that up today because I reviewed his results this morning. <laughs> Because we've been having a couple of like little, um, not fights, but like there's been a little friction of, about a couple of things. And I went back and I was like, you know, I really need to understand him better and be able to better, I you know, identify with his perception and his reality and what makes him function in the world. And I went and it just because for him like I'm all about like learner and input and strategy and he's positivity and harmony and, um, and, and we just, we're on totally opposite ends of the spectrum. So it really does help me to communicate better with him and understand him. That's good. We're going to have one podcast dedicated to several of our guests and Trinity doing nothing about, but talking about assessment (laughs) tests. So Wendy, the easiest question we're going to ask you today is what is your definition of branding? I don't know if I can give an exact definition. I can give you something close, Okay. Uh, but I believe that branding is everything that contributes to uh, the outside world's view of your business. Um, of course, it's also the inside view, uh, mm-hmm. but most of us care, you know, from a business standpoint, it's, a, it's, it's being shaped by what the outside world is looking at. So that's everything from the graphic elements that you, that you are having visible, the Nike swoosh, the, you know, the Apple logo, like all those things, and all of the colors and elements that contribute to it 
Um, it's also the words and the positioning and the strategy uh, that, that go into creating the, the words and messages, but it's also how you do business. So it's the operational elements, the, the things that create a customer experience. And if you have a team, it's, it's the, the things that you've set up that help make your employees able to make decisions that fit with what the brand stands for. Um, and, you know, so all of those pieces, I think, come together to define a brand. And from a small business standpoint, for those of us who do not have the millions and millions of dollars to do these tests and color tests and name tests and everything, I think <laughs> Trinity has explained it as, as good as I've heard it. And I think it, it very much applies to local business going back to your statement of it's how you do it. Your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And for us solopreneurs locally, and you're here in the triangle with us, it's our reputation when we leave a meeting. We don't have big budgets to have these, you know, four-color brochures that we used to have that nobody does anymore. But you're right. It's it's how you conduct yourself. And is your in the olden days, is your handshake good? And that's the credibility and the trustworthy piece of it. But there's also personality to it. Um, you know, just like you might go out and, you know, if you're, you're talking to someone who could be your, your husband or wife down the road, or you're choosing an accountant or, you know, whoever it is that you're talking to, they're going to be people that you just click with better. And, um, and that's true for businesses as well. Uh, you know, it, you, it, everybody and everything, when you put humans together, we end up having a certain, a certain chemistry, a certain personality and it, the better that you as a small business can figure out what yours is mm. and understand what matters and what doesn't and how you're going to make decisions and, you know, what the personality is that you're going to present so that you connect with the people that you want to work with, the easier your job is going to be, both in terms of actually creating whatever the marketing and, and communications materials that you need is, or, you know, making decisions on the fly about, uh, you know, who you work with or how you, how you serve them. Yeah, your brand's kind of like your pheromones, and then your marketing <laughs> yep. is how you package it to I get like others it. to. And then the sales. Well, we won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> it explains itself, yes. <laughs> but we don't spend a lot of time thinking about that from a small business standpoint, because we're so busy trying to make ends meet. We usually wear six or seven hats that we know sales because sales mm -hmm. brings in the money. And then marketing kind of helps drive, you know, to sales. And then with branding, it's like, I think I know what it is, but I'm just not sure. Yeah, I think a lot of times when people are first starting their business, they think, think it through then because someone is helping them come up with a logo or their website or something like that. And so you get, you get pieces of it. Mm. Um, you know, I think that if if they're starting to get active in social media and maybe that doesn't all, doesn't necessarily come naturally to them as an individual, they may go through a process there as well, trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I present myself in you know in this medium? But but a lot of times it does get all you know sort of woven in together. They're they're busy with whatever the transactions are in their business and the, the day to day um, headaches. And so one of the things that I think is helpful is if you can, if you can get something, whether, uh, and, and this can vary a little bit, I think, depending on what your own uh, maybe learning style or, or information style is. Some people kind of like if you were designing your house, 
you might have a design board from somebody that would show the different colors and patterns and the mood that you're creating. Some, some businesses can work well with something like that. Um, sometimes it's experiential. So a little video can help like, and it just reminds you or just words on a page for some people can do the job too. So that before you get ready to do introduce something new, whether it's a new ad or uh, your social media plan, or uh, you're introducing a new product or service, you can have something to bounce this idea off to say, okay, is this on track with the brand with how I, you know, how I want to present myself and an important piece to keep in that, because right now we're all talking about me, 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 me. It's all about me, the brand. But a big piece of defining that is how and who are you interacting with, uh, you know, out there in your audience. So what is it, what experience is it an emotion are you creating in them that's, that they're responding to? And so it's important that you take that into account. And, uh, you know, and so you're, the more that you can understand not just the emotion that they're going to have immediately after they, uh, you serve them with whatever product or service you have, but just in general, what is the, uh, what is the lifestyle, the, the aspiration that they have? And so knowing that makes a big difference too. For, I feel that was pretty rambly, but you can have no, me. <laughs> I can edit. Don't worry about that. For you, let's take you and Trinity, for example. So Trinity is with Hunter Row Real Estate. That's her main job. She's a top one percenter in the market. So she, yes. Oh, yes. She's thank badass. You, you. So she has her, but she works for a bigger company. Mm-hmm. So now Wendy, who owns Beacon Creative Lab, you have a smaller company. Mm-hmm. So how do you connect your individual brand, Wendy, with the company you started versus Trinity with the company she's a part of? Does that make sense? You mean as far as how she would incorporate her own personality into the company? Yeah, and kind of figure out how they mesh because yours is a little easier because you're starting it. So you can make Beacon Creative Lab whatever you want it to be because that's you. Mm-hmm. But if you're part of a company and not the owner of the company, how do you weave your brand into that? This is where it helps a lot to make sure that the if the that the company's brand is clear and that employees actually mesh with the company brand. Mm-hmm. So uh, and a lot of times if you find that companies aren't a good fit uh, or rather that you know an employee isn't a good fit with the company it's because that didn't come through well during the hiring process. Mm-hmm. Um, so the when you are when you're an employee, you had better be able to buy into the, the whole uh, experience that's being created. So just to use an example of one that most people would be familiar with, you know, imagine somebody who's coming on board to work with Disney, <laughs> right? This is, this is the place where, you know, where everybody's happy. Right? So you're not going to be happy all the time. Your expression of happiness isn't going to look exactly like, you know, the person at the other register down the, down the way, but there are certain, uh, certain qualities that are going to be uh, part of the training and part of the, uh, the expectation, but you have some flexibility within that to bring out your own style. Um, so, you know, in your case, you've got uh, you have a certain, you know, premier company that you're working for and you got to the top of that level because you are representing it plus you really well. Um, you might be able to take exactly the way that you do business to another another company, 
but maybe not because maybe they have a whole different set of ways of deciding how to serve a customer and you know what the experience is going to be like um, you know so you know there's there's definitely an important factor of getting the right fit to begin with and being able to honor and and enjoy the brand of the company that you're working with and you helped create that brand so it makes it a little easier right it does but within the framework of and and real estate is actually a really interesting example because branding and real estate really means diddly squat to the consumer um, most real estate brands are marketing and advertising because they're trying to get people to come be agents at their company because that's their primary goal is to be to grow in the number of agents they have representing their firm versus at Hunter Row, the goal is to have fewer agents but have them be higher producing agents and we all work by referral. We all follow the same systems and processes. So there's a very consistent client experience, which is in itself very different from a branding standpoint than if you were at Keller Williams or one of these other firms. Um, and then when I'm coaching real estate agents, it's, okay, how do you differentiate yourself even within your, your firm? Or you have to market yourself and your brand together um, which if you're like, for me, it's very easy because I have my company statistics and there's a lot of, um, elements that lend itself to me borrowing from the brand power. Um, I've seen lots of people who don't even, you know, like they're affiliated with a brand, but they're not really using those resources because it doesn't help them at all. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you're, if you're a Chick-fil-A franchise owner, you might do, you know, some things, outreach in the community and other stuff that sets away apart your store, but that's a really strong brand and you're going to borrow that, mm. that um, experience that's already built from the brand power. Yeah. 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 I think there's a client I have who is a, a, a just started actually branched out on their own from the parent company. And, um, you know, she's, she's still, a, you know, relatively small. I think she maybe has four or five agents or something, but her, what she's been striving to do from the very beginning is to take fewer clients and give an extremely high level of customer service. And she doesn't necessarily, you know, where you might think she's only going after the highest end homes. That's not actually true, but this is how she's shaped her company and it affects the people who are willing to go. You know, if, if you've got somebody who just wants to be constantly turning over deals, that's not going to be, uh, you know, an agent who's a good fit for, you know, for her company. Um, and so I think as that, because she herself holds to that standard, that's how, you know, people are starting to view the whole company and then the agents underneath. But the agents underneath are still going to attract different people. Mm -hmm. you know, because of their, their own style. So people will know that they're going to get X, Y, Z, but it may be delivered in a different, you know, kind of a different fashion. Uh, so. if, if you're hiring somebody to your business and you're say five or six employees are under, it probably mm -hmm. could be a little bit bigger. Are you more likely to show them what the branding is by words or by actions, watching you with clients in the community, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I think that you probably want to do both. Uh, you know, when I was at the last position that I was in uh, was for um, an entertainment company that had about 100 people on staff. 
and around 75 or 80 of those were people who were frontline, uh, you know, workers. And uh, while there was a lot that we still needed to do there, uh, when I left, uh, you know, about uh, the hiring and training process, uh, one of the things that was really important was giving them an introduction that would help them understand what experience the, the guests needed to have when they came in. So, you know, you, you, we wanted to lay the, lay the foundation. What, you know, what is someone's life like before they walk through the door? And how do we want them to feel while they're here and then when they leave? And you have to be able to use different methods to create that picture so that it's really clear because otherwise you get so much into your own self um, you don't necessarily Im imagine what it's like to walk through somebody else's shoes with somebody coming in with their you know three kids and this is their big spend for the month or even the half a year you know you know you don't want to just think oh well i had a bad day i'm going to throw that off on them <laughs> you know you so being able to um do role playing um, as well as do, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, presentation. And then obviously, you know, doing the training where they can actually see how you're, uh, how you're creating that experience and different ways of doing it, depending on what the situation is. Uh, so it's a combination of doing a good introduction to the brand so that they understand it and then training um, as actively as you can so that they know how to respond to different scenarios, uh, you know, is real important. What would and that's you, true, even if it's not brand new. If you may be doing a rebrand yeah. or, mm -hmm. you know, dialing in something and having those same kind of um, experiences is, is really helpful. What do you see as the biggest mistake that business owners make when they're working on their branding? Limiting themselves to the outward message, whether it's just visuals or, you know, even sometimes the, the story they tell. Uh, rather than going the extra step to take into account what experience their their audience can have, you know, they they may look very narrowly at what someone's feeling like right after or at the time of a transaction, but they don't necessarily connect connect or um, expand that to see how they could fit into someone's life in a in a bigger way. Um, and uh, you know, one of the ways that I I think about that. Uh, which is kind of a silly one, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. But, you know, when I, when I think about the way that uh, if you go into sheets, mm -hmm. you stand at the pump and they've got music playing and the, all the visuals have a higher energy, uh, you know, experience and the emails that you get have that. You, this is sort of an, an all, uh, almost an immersive type of experience that you get when you go there. And it's basically a gas station and a convenience store, right? So it's really nothing special. But but they have recognized that the people that are going that they want to do business with um, are ones who who want to enjoy just a little bit of an extra energy burst of some kind. And whether they're going to get that through a cup of coffee or a soda, or they're going to get it through something to eat, or they're going to get it through the music, or they're going to get it because they're gassing up their car, it all fits. It sort of comes together and, you know, and creates a, a, a very immersive, well-rounded experience. It, um, it, we, know, so that's just one way that that can happen. And we've talked about this before on a previous podcast. Are you an experience or a transaction? And mm -hmm. generally conversation always goes to Starbucks because you can mm -hmm. get coffee anywhere, yep. but people go to Starbucks to pay 
How much do you pay for a, a grande? Like four eighty. Yeah, and you kill yourself $5. every time you walk out. Why do I do this? And the next oh. day, but, but it's the experience. There's an expectation and sheets. I'm with you. Chick-fil-A is, is probably the best one in the food world. And we've talked about that before, but it makes a difference. And you and I share an industry. Mm -hmm. We share the bowling industry. We worked at rivals and we didn't know it till we finally had a (laughs) one-to-one. I I ran the uh, AMF bowling center in Durham and Wendy was at palace point. Now palace point had a lot more things to offer. We were just bowling. They had a bunch more. But going back to your point earlier, you you had a fighting chance, a really good chance to make somebody's day because they were going somewhere they wanted to go. Right. They want to go bowling, so they're already looking forward to it. And it's really easy to make that just a little bit better, but just by saying, hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. But man, I have seen people just mess that up. Yep, they don't absolutely. say hi, they walk by... A, you, I'm sure you've been in a place where an employee walks right by you and never says boo. Doesn't even yeah. look up. They don't even yeah. look up. But mm-hmm. it's that simple. But the customer service part of it is huge in branding for me. Because you oh, can change people's day right there. When they come to the front counter to get their shoes, you can change their day right there just by saying, hi, how are you? Good luck tonight. Hey, I hope your team, you know, something simple. And more people mess that up. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, it's... Some of it is like, you know, we were saying before, it's finding the right people, Mm. uh, you know, people who, who value the same thing that you value as a company. So, um, and that, that of course, that's a lot harder than it seems because everybody sounds like they're going to be great when they're interviewing, right? Or at least not everybody, but a lot of people will. And, but then what happens, you know, when the rubber meets the road day after day after day, regardless of what you're, you know, what experience you've been having at home or, and, you know, and, and a lot of people have really difficult, difficult things that they're going through, but to be able to step in and drop all of that behind you and be able to create a, you know, a great experience that still feels genuine. You know, it doesn't, doesn't, it's not this fake acting kind of thing, but you really can have a good rapport means that you also want to have uh, find people who represent the the type of interaction uh, you know bringing back to your coffee thing right so the whole thing behind dunkin donuts is that you're grabbing and go it's fast it's move quickly so yes people need to be friendly but there's not quite the same type of uh you know sort of warm and settle in ambiance that you have even if you're going through the drive-through at starbucks right because your expectation is different and so you know in each of the places there's going to be a little bit of a difference Yes, you have a minimum level of, of, you know, customer experience that you need to have, but, but there are some nuances there that need to be honored, you know, by the team. And, and that happens through training as well. And the three of us are pretty good talkers. We don't have a problem talking to people, but it just, it doesn't take in my mind, and I may be wrong on this. It just doesn't take any energy just to say hi. If you're an employee, just to say hi to a customer. You don't have to ask them their life story. They probably don't want to give them to you and you probably didn't care. But just to say, hi, how are you? And Chick-fil-A with their my pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. You're finished your transaction, my pleasure. And then everybody laughs about, welcome to Moe's. But what do we all bring up as a good example? Welcome Welcome to Moe's. Moe's. But it it takes little, let me get it right, to no effort as an employee to carry on because your brand is welcoming people just to say hi. And Wendy, it drove me crazy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I heard a lot of people who are just intimidated by talking to a stranger. You know, sometimes it's lack of interest. Yeah. <laughs> my screen went black, but, um, and sometimes it's lack of training or, you know, timidity. One of the things that we work with our clients on when we're doing a comprehensive business plan is helping them to um, identify their core values. And I see that playing a lot into keeping a very cohesive and consistent brand experience because that plays through what you're going to do from hiring internally, the values that you want to share with your clients or customers, just the overall, you know, feel of your business. And, and I think that that's something that a lot of times um, gets a little murky because people will set core values based off of things that they think should exist within a company versus looking intrinsically and seeing what already exists that sets them apart and makes them tick the way that they are. It goes to really the essence of the business. You know, this there, it's how you, how you decide on almost everything, you know, I mean, at a certain point, obviously there, you're going to, you're not always going to go right back to that route when you're making your decisions, but the major policies and, you know, strategies would be founded there. And if those, it's almost like looking at blocks that are stacked, you know, if they're all stacked the right way, because you've, you've built on the right foundation, uh, you don't always have to go back to square one, but, but you'll be in a better, better place because you have set that clear foundation. There's no easy segue from branding to copywriting. Cause I won't try to make <laughs> one, but they're, they are, they're kind of tied, but I want to switch because we sure. do want to talk about copywriting. We all write stuff about our business. We may or may not be able to write a blog. We may or may not be able to do a social media post, but we still have to be able to get our message across, whether it's in, you know, 20 words on LinkedIn or, or Facebook talking about what we're doing or writing the blog, but copywriting, what's just a couple things we can keep in mind when we're trying to write about uh, ourselves. The probably the first and biggest thing that I could recommend people do is that they take time to figure out what they actually want people to take away from whatever it is that you're writing. Um, you know, one, one big idea, uh, going hand in hand with that is, and this will sound scary because it'll sound like English class, but <laughs> really outlining the points that you want to make that will get people to that big idea uh, is really important to keep you focused and also to make sure you don't miss points and to make sure that there's a certain logic uh, that somebody else could follow. Mm -hmm. um, so I think those are two, you know, really two biggies. Um, and you know, probably the other piece is not to think that you have to write in any fancy way. Yeah. Just, you know, a lot of times uh, if people are not comfortable with writing, I'll even recommend that they start off literally just speak it into your voice recorder um, and then write it down from there because you really want to try to capture as much as you can a little bit of the rhythm of natural speech uh, and not try to write it like you're writing an essay. Um, and some people, you know, will still have something that's kind of, you know, may, may sound a little bit more uh, complex, but 
uh, but it's it's helpful if you can just start with the way that you would say it. I know most people get tired of reading corporate lingo. I do. I would rather, and we talked about this before, sell the solution, not the product. Mm -hmm. But I just think most people just say, hey, folks, here's what we do. Mm -hmm. I would rather see two tight paragraphs than two pages. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay to do. But going back to your point, we think we have to be these big companies with these flashy one pagers and just here, here are bullet points. This is why you should work or hire us because we do this. Here's how we can prove it. We do this, we do this and just be done with it. Then you can ask your follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, sometimes to get to that, uh, you know, sort of like the, that it takes longer to write the short speech than the long speech oh, yeah. it actually <laughs> helps just to get it all out, just dump it, you know, don't worry about making it short initially. Uh, but that means you also have to allow time. Um, and so, you know, I, one of the things that, you know, people will often say, is, well, I don't understand why does copywriting cost so much? And, you know, it, and it relatively speaking, it usually doesn't. But part of the reason is that in order to get to the great, concise and, you know, impactful message, you need to go through it a bunch of times. You write everything down and then you trim it and you write it and you trim it and you keep coming back and making sure that you're both getting the, uh, connecting to the emotion that someone is feeling when they start reading and where you want to get them to by the end. Um, so, you know, that, that just, it really helps if people will allow themselves to put down total trash at the beginning and then go ahead and just keep, keep trimming it down and, you know, let somebody else take a read of it as well. Cause you can get tired of uh, reading your own words. Yeah. And one of the things we work with clients on is messaging and usually it's through the, an elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. And just, we just, just start writing things down. What are you known for? What do you like doing? What do you think people think you're, you do and what you produce and, and why you do what you do. And you're right. Just start writing everything down and mm -hmm. then nah, not right now. Ooh, this is good. We can, and you're going to figure out what's going to jump out at you. You don't have to go looking for it. It'll, it'll scream back at you, but you're right. Just start, start writing things down a word a phrase and then build out instead of starting in the corporate world, we need four paragraphs and then mm -hmm. drill down. It's like, ah, you're missing the way to go about doing that. Yeah. I mean, invariably when I get stuck, I, I literally push back from my desk and I imagine that there's someone sitting on the other side or sitting next to me. I'm like, okay, forget everything. What would I say to this person if they were sitting here right in front of me right now? And I write that down and then you can get, start getting, you know, you know, rolling again. Um, because really ultimately it's just a conversation you're having. It's just the difference is you putting it down on paper. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, you know, you still have to be able to do the things like, uh, you know, grab their attention and, you know, and all those things that we know they're a part of marketing, but, um, but, you know, a lot of times it's the intimidation factor that hits people first. So if you can cut that out and just focus on what would happen, what, what would you say if this were a regular conversation to start there? Well, and that would probably help with writer's block, they which can. I know a lot of people. And I would say the thing that I get the most questions about that people have the hardest time is with writing their bios. <laughs> I can't even tell you. I probably get a person a month that reaches out to me about their bio. Mm. And um, 
And I totally agree because it's really difficult to, I mean, I could write amazing things about Mike and after this podcast, amazing things about Wendy. But when it comes to sitting down and talking about yourself, there's something that's a little uncomfortable and, you know, you don't want to seem like an asshole. You want to seem modest, but confident. And then, you know, how much information do you impart? Nobody wants to read a, you know, five page bio. There's a um, there's a financial services company um, that you all will be familiar with, but I won't name their name. Um, and I have uh, inadvertently started writing a lot of bios for them. I think I've gone on number 15 or 16 of different people's bios just this past year. Um, and someone who I was talking to a couple of weeks ago doing starting to do hers, she said, well, you must have just sort of like a way, like canned stuff that you always put in, right? And like, there's, there's never that because even though you all have, uh, and talk about branding, well, this, everybody has the same core motivation and values and whatever it, with this company, it's amazing. However, their stories are so unique. And so pretty quickly I discovered that if in that opening paragraph, if we could start with a sentence that was basically just a summary of their, their, I guess they're for almost a philosophy mm-hmm. that they were bringing to life and then unfold how that brought them into, you know, their financial services and a little bit about their story and so forth. It, it made a world of difference. And, uh, you know, so for people that have to do a bio, you know, kind of starting with that, what is the thread that ties all of your experience together? I mean, and that's branding too, right? I mean, that's what a bio is. It's just your own yeah. brand, it, but that, yeah. that thread is big. It's the story because if it, if it were a cookie cutter bio, Wendy does this. She's from here. She's married, two kids, three dogs. Trinity does this. She's man. No, you lose. You're right. You lose everything about that person by yeah. just here, Wendy. Fill out these nine points for me, and I'll write your bio. You're like, oh, geez, that's gonna be horrible. Right? Uh, yep. I, I just. But again, the more we do this. It's, it is about the story. It's why do you do what you do? And usually there's a connection through a family or you bought your first house and thought, oh, I want to do that. That was fun. Or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you, you know, through your parents. By the way, you worked it in the day. I no idea if there's still a big-time name in the industry, but J. Walter Thompson, mm-hmm. back in the day when yeah. there were only a few, was like the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I gotta I tell you, I don't even no know what that small, is. No small amount of awe when I walked into the building and went, "Oh my God, I work at J. Frickin' Walter Johnson." Would you <laughs> Would you like to summarize for Trinity who just real quickly who they were and why they were that big? Um, uh, definitely the 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 grandfather of agencies. Uh, you know, just uh, among you know a few Ogilvy and Mother and and a few others like that, but um, but really established the idea of, uh, of advertising and, and approach, uh, you know, again, along with a few others, uh, but, but it was from a brand quite corporate, quite, uh, you know, there was a, there was a level of prestige that you felt at like a weight on you when you walked in there. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was an amazing experience. It was great. And I was in the, like the, 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 the little steps child um, offshoot <laughs> uh, working in direct marketing. It was before it truly integrated, but you still had that same, that same sense. 
it was in its day. And it, like I said, it may still be. I'm not in that world much anymore. But even in the 80s and 90s, when I was in sports-related fields, everybody knew Jay Walter Thompson because they brought Pepsi and Coke to the Super Bowl and they were the big sports connection. But yeah, they were the brand back then. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. What, uh, and this was in New York? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your first job? When was your first job with them? What year? I started with them in, let's see, I think it must have been 95. And then I went in, I think it was 98, I went to Draft Worldwide, which was, uh, it later merged with FCB, with Foot Comb Building, um, and became yeah. another one of those megaloth type. <laughs> were type you company. in 1995 living in New York? Were you making good money? I was making very good money. Um, I didn't ever, um, I left that actually, uh, it was about a year after 9-11 is when I left the big agency world. Um, I had had my daughter who was six months old and I saw her for somewhere around a half an hour each day, uh, you know, and maybe a day and a half on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So that was enough. <laughs> I decided yeah. I'd given enough to that particular line of work. Uh, so as a small business owner, if another entrepreneur was, you know, getting started or in their first five years, now that you've got a little bit more experience on you, what would be your biggest piece of advice for them? I would recommend connecting with a really strong core network of people in uh, both similar and different businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and really lean into them for ideas, for bouncing stuff off them, uh, you know, for support, um, but also with a group that is very eager to, uh, to be supportive and a champion of you. Um, you know, I was really fortunate to, uh, to find that type of a group within a couple of months of starting and, uh, it's made all the difference. It really has. That's some good advice. We're, we're big fans of mastermind groups oh, and yeah. peer groups mm-hmm. and um, obviously growing our businesses mostly is by referral or through our networks. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, my, that's actually why I developed my, my work crush on Mike because he was so <laughs> well connected, <laughs> which was actually that was your personal brand. Yeah. Well, was that you're a great connector, that you're incredibly giving, and that you aren't afraid to, you know, put people together and put things into motion. I found a while ago, in the corporate world, you didn't do that. Right. And once I've been out, I think since 2013, <clears throat> I've been out of the corporate world, and there's a language, there's a group that, that we're connected with out of Canada called Grand Connection. And our friends, Carolyn and Susan, that run that up there, have twice a month, they have a networking event, and there's people from all over the world. We had a lady named Pinky from Scotland on our podcast. And the one thing I've noticed, I was in a breakout room one day with South Africa, the Middle East, Colombia, Canada, and me. 
in one mm-hmm. breakout room and the language was the same. We were all just there to help each other. Yeah. So politics and big yeah. government and all that crap didn't matter because yeah. we're all fighting the same fight, mm-hmm. you know, trying yeah. to help, help people and connect people, but trying to grow a business. So it's Absolutely. cool. I, I like it. I like when you can stick two people together and something happens. Yeah, I think I've had uh, some good experience uh, along the same lines with the Dell Women's Entrepreneurial Network, actually. Um, I, I don't actually have a Dell, full disclosure. Um, I, I have Mac. But um, but I've had clients through them and uh, a lot of good conversation and support through them, both through the official uh, you know workshops and things that they do and also through active one-on-ones with people afterwards. So that... And getting this sort of, in this case, it's national for me, but they do, there are people from around the world. You get a really great perspective and, uh, uh, you know, and it helps you also know that you're not the only person going through the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who will help you celebrate your wins. And, and I think if you approach all of that with a little bit of, you know, hold on a little loosely to your decision, your, your feeling of, of what the business is. So that you can adapt a little bit to the market, um, you know, obviously a lot last year, but just in general, it's not a bad idea to hold on a little loosely so that you, you can take in other people's ideas and, and flex when you need to. Isn't that 38 special? Hold on loosely, but don't let go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a good song. I like that a lot. Uh, oh, I was, I was going to say something right after you said that. Oh, well, um, that's all right. That's your pop cultural reference for that today. That is, yes, yeah. Well, so, Wendy, yeah. we have absolutely enjoyed having you on the show. Um, you have been a wealth of great information. Um, if our listeners are out there and they're like, man, just where do I find an amazing strategy coach who's going to help me put my marketing plan together and be the just making a brand that's so magnetic that my clients just are scrambling over each other to get to me, how would they contact you? Um, probably the, the easiest is to go to the website. That's beaconcreativelab.com. Um, I'm also on uh, LinkedIn, Wendy Harrington, and uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook, but like I said, I'm not quite sure what that page name will be. So that <laughs> might be a little trickier right now. And of um, course, listeners, let Wendy know that we sent her your way. Yes. And of course, if you are interested in checking out what we've got going on, head to our website, wiredtochange.com. With the number two. And click on the events tab and see all of our upcoming awesome mastermind groups. We've got some other fun stuff coming up. And, of course, um, slots for one-to-one coaching. Yes. Highly recommended. Yo, we are, coaches have coaches. So business owners should have coaches. Whether they work with us or work with you, they should go find a coach because it matters. So. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but we've enjoyed having you on the show today. Good luck with uh, 2021. We have no idea where in the arc we're in. We've quit guessing, uh, but sounds like you're off to a good start, especially with the new business, the rebranding, and hopefully Facebook will play along. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a great time. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.